Wow, that was powerful. Thank you, Caleb. What a time of worship this morning. I am overcome. I'm overcome during that whole worship set. I felt lost in what God was doing. And so I just want to say, I just know that God is doing something supernatural because he's dealing with our heart postures and he's bringing us to our knees in crowning and surrendering to one king. And I know during this whole series, as we've kicked off with More Like Jesus, every Sunday, I feel the ouch of my heart. Are you experiencing that? Where it's going right to my spirit. Because man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. And it's about the posture of heart. It's about the posture of our worship with God. And so as we were singing these songs, honestly, it was like my message And it was about coming through an open door, about bowing before the king, that our battle starts with being on our knees. And last week, Pastor Jason and Lori were so brilliantly unpacked their message. And they're not with us this morning at this campus because they are in Cornwall as we are instating Pastor Jeff and Ingrid as the campus pastors in Cornwall today. And so, yeah, that's exciting. So we just want to celebrate with Cornwall what God is doing in the city of Cornwall and through... Our, our life center making a difference for Jesus as a church. And so we just celebrate that. Now, last week, we talked about how Jesus views relationships and how he didn't lower the bar of the Old Testament in the New Testament, but raises the standard. And which brings us to a place of humility and dependency on God. When he raises that standard, it means he's going right to those hard places in our heart. Because he wants us to be more like him. Because he wants us to know him. And when we come to that place of humility, it brings us to a place of prayer. Now I know, I just want to start by saying, when I say the word prayer, that the message is about prayer, we have so many different emotions around that topic of prayer. And this summer we studied spiritual gifts as well, of having the spiritual gift of intercession. But spiritual prayer is what we are all called to do as Christians. And I know that even some of you may be struggling with shame, feeling insecure, or inferior as you pray. I want you to know that God has a message for you today because there is such power in prayer. And as I was just spending time with the Lord and allowing this message to go deep into my spirit, because as teachers, we truly believe that it's got to come from here, what God is working in and through our lives first. Not just what we deliver on a pulpit, but what God is using this message to purify us. And it starts with us. And so as I was just allowing God to go deep into those places of my prayer life and my disciplines with him, I just said, God, I'd love to have a picture, a prophetic picture to give today about prayer. And I saw a picture, and I have a prophetic gifting in the sense God uses that to encourage, to edify, and to build up the church. It's one of the spiritual gifts. Jump on for the summer series if you don't know anything about spiritual gifts. We did all of that through the summer. But I often will have a picture that will come to mind. And this is the picture I felt like God put on my heart to share with you as a church today. And what I saw was a massive, massive wall. A huge, huge wall as far as my eyes could see. I then could see these gorgeous, bold, beautiful gold gates. And in the distance in the landscape was this majestic mountain. And I felt like God said this to our church today. 
Church, I want you to know prayer is not meant to be a mighty wall that is to be scaled, nor is it a majestic mountain that you need to climb. Rather, it is a gate that you have been invited to enter, a gate that is open for you every single breath and heartbeat you have to walk through by invitation through the name of Jesus, my son, into my very presence, your father. Prayer is a gate you are meant to walk into for it brings you in the, into my presence, the presence of your king. Isn't that powerful? When we think of prayer, it's not a mighty wall that we have to do this and that and have everything so perfect, so religiously perfect and so eloquent in our wording that we can then get into the presence of God. Nor is it a majestic mountain that we through time get better and better, more skilled at that. Then we're like, if only I was like this, then I can pray. If only I could pray like that person, then God would hear me. No, it's a gate. So today, church, see the gate open. See the bold, beautiful gate open for you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Every breath you take, every heartbeat you have, you have the ability to walk through that gate any moment because it's open for you only through Jesus Christ into the presence of our King. And all through scriptures, we see the power of prayer for there's no denying that our true battle from defeat to victory is done on our knees. And that is actually the first song we started with today about the battle being on our knees. Martyred missionary James Elliott wrote in his journal, the saint who advances on his knees never retreats. I love that. As soon as we are on our knees, we don't retreat, but the enemy sure does. But if we are not advancing on our knees, we are already moving from a place of defeat because it's about a posture of humility before God to realize that we need God. We desperately need him. And not only is that gate open, we need to be running into that gate because he is our king and we need all that the king has for us because the finished work of the cross has already given us victory. So being on our knees, we start to move from a place of victory because it's through a place of dependency on God. I also believe four things happen when we pray. We are made up of spirit, soul, mind, and body. Physically, I'm going to talk about these. Spirit, soul, mind, and body. So physically, we gain the strength of God when we pray. Isaiah 40 talks about even youth grow weary and tired, young men stumble and fall, but those who wait upon the Lord. There's even a saying right now that says, COVID fatigue. Our world is tired. Our world is exhausted. Some of you today may be coming in tired and weary. When we wait upon the Lord, when we spend time with the Lord, a physical strength comes over us that is supernatural because that is what prayer is meant to do. It is meant to infuse you with the strength of God. Emotionally, we gain the vision of God. When we spend time in the king's presence, we see how the king sees us. We see the the situations we're facing through the king's eyes and according to his kingdom. 
He aligns us with the word of God. He always aligns us with the character of who he is because he's a covenant-keeping God. I love when David says in Psalms, he speaks right to his spirit. Oh, so why be so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God. So when we come in prayer emotionally, when we are feeling down and anxious and overwhelmed, we can come into the king's presence and gain the vision of God. Mentally, I love this, we gain the remembrance of God. As we spend time with the Lord, God brings to mind in and through prayer the moments and the situations where he has been faithful. He brings to remembrance scriptures to lean on, truths that we've heard but now need to apply. We gain remembrance of the faithfulness of God. And also through prayer, we gain intimacy with God. And that is the ultimate. We are brought back to the heart of the king and to his kingdom. This is where we move for he fights the battle and we move on the king's command. We are brought into the extraordinary because we're meeting with the one who is extraordinary. So we are transformed from the inside out. We can know our God and have a communion with him and intimacy with him. For to look more like Jesus, we need to have a heart of prayer. For not just the reasons I mentioned, but for the ultimate reason, Jesus prayed. And if Jesus prayed, I think I need to be praying. When Jesus came to earth, he set aside all divinity as a son of man, of son of God and came as a son of man. And he depended on God all through the New Testament scriptures of Jesus. When we see the accounts of what he did on earth, you see him going to pray. You see him spending time with his father. You hear his prayers. You see the prayers that were transcribed. He prayed alone and with others, in public and in private, in joy and in pain, in asking and in thanksgiving, in intercession and in opposition. Jesus didn't only model life of prayer. He taught us how to pray. Now, I just want to go on a little side note here because the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? And he says, our father who art in heaven. Now, if you have not been raised in the church, guaranteed you know the our father, the prayer of the our father and amazing grace. Those are two things that seems like everyone kind of knows. So our father is the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples of how we should pray. And a little side note is we serve a God that is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as a pastor, I'm asked many times, who should I be praying to? Is it wrong that I pray to God and to Jesus and the Holy Spirit? How does that all work? What does that look like? And so I just want to say, Jesus told us what to do. In John, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He also starts the Lord's Prayer with saying, Our Father. So we pray to the Father through the name of Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit. When you gave your life to Jesus, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we've talked about, you've heard people saying praying in the Spirit. That's another spiritual gift, that we pray in an unknown language that goes right from our spirit to the Spirit of God. But being filled with the Holy Spirit happens at salvation. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is why as we pray, our spirit comes alive. Things come inside of us where we need to repent of or thank God for, or we remember it's the Holy Spirit reigniting and awakening our spirit to commune with God. So we pray to God the Father through the name of Jesus 
in the spirit. And I believe that prayers to be intentionally woven into our life from a posture of humility in all that we do. Because the enemy knows that prayer is the greatest weapon. And the greatest work of the enemy that he does is to keep us prayerless. Because when we are prayerless, we are actually fully depending on ourselves and not on the power of God. And he knows the power that comes through prayer. When we come into the presence of God, when we come through that gate and we come into the presence of God, there is an effusing that happens in our spirit and he begins to shake when he sees the saints on his knees. So he will do everything possible to distract you, to discourage you, to even give you a false idea of what prayer is to prevent you from praying. So you stop praying and you're made powerless. And that is the lie of the enemy, that you are powerless. We are not powerless in our, we're not powerful in ourselves. But through the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that dwells in you, you live and abide in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if he can stop us from praying and being prayerless, we become powerless. And that is the work of the enemy. There is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light. Whether you would like to believe it or not, you are in a spiritual battle. You are in a spiritual battle. And the enemy is ruthless to rob, steal, and destroy. We've been talking about this over and over. It feels like this is a theme that keeps coming out. But we serve a king who knows how to keep us and protect us. The battle is his, but it starts on our knees to depend on him. Prayerlessness is not just a lack of self-discipline, although that certainly is a factor. It's also a strong indication of pride. You may say, well, I, I don't think I have pride over prayer. Like, the, I don't feel that way because I don't pray. I'm, I'm proud. Actually, the truth is in not what we say, but in how we live. When we do not feel the need to pray and depend on God, we are actually saying to God, I don't need you, and I can handle this by myself. That is the truth of what a prayerless life is, that I can do this myself. I don't need to be dependent on you, God. I've got this. Prayerlessness equals powerlessness, and prayerlessness equals pride. Another list that comes from Brian Lourdes names six symptoms of pride. He just does six general symptoms. So let me know if you're on this list. I know, ouch, I am. Number one, are you easily offended? Are you a people pleaser? Are you timid? When wrong with your behavior, do you find it hard to apologize? Do you make the conversation about you? Or do you not feel the need to develop the discipline of prayer? Ouch. I know God needs to deal with my pride on a constant basis to starve that pride. Oh, my pride loves to rear up. But it's walking in humility before the Lord is something that God is always, always putting his finger on in my heart. For you see, our primary calling is not to work for God as amazing as this is. Our primary call is not the work of ministry. As phenomenal and extraordinary as this is. And even our primary call is not to love one another, which is incredible. No, 
our primary call above all these is to first answer God's heart, to fulfill our purpose above all, to love and to know him, to be a companion of the king. That is the primary call. And from this primary call, as we align ourselves to know and to hear the heart of God, to be a companion of the king, when he moves left, we move left. When he moves right, we move right. When he speaks, we listen. When he commands, we obey. That is the heart of God, that we would be so close to him, intimate with him, to know him. For from this place, we can then move effective in all of the above. We will then be effective and we will then be fulfilled in what God has for us in all the above. But first, the primary call is to know your God. And that means each and every day we need to walk through the gates. We need to walk through the gates to be a companion of the king. Prayer is never to be a last resort. It's the only resort. Prayer is never to be a sideline thing. It is the main thing. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For Jesus, his core identity was in following his father. When he left his divinity aside and came as a man, he literally spent time with the father to know exactly what he was to do, where to go, who to minister. All of it came from the heart of God. 2,000 years later, here we are. Because Jesus was obedient, even to the point of death, he was obedient. He died and rose again. And here we are as Christians, as followers of Christ, because Jesus followed God's plan and followed God's heart right to the end. For us, the tension is that our lives can become so easily rooted outside of God, outside of who he is, and into the dependent on our own needs, our own ego, into following ourselves and being influenced by our culture and our, the truths of our, concert, of our culture, our own truths, our own influences, the world's influences around us instead of God's. And that is why today, church, so many are burnt out, anxious, depressed, fearful, and exhausted because we are living out of the need and looking for the approval of, of others in our world instead of being a a total companion of the king and coming into his presence and being restored, being refreshed, receiving strength, receiving vision, receiving the remembrance of his faithfulness and being intimate with our God. This is what God wants for each of you. And each of you are invited and have a specific invitation to join him. Jesus instructs us how to pray in Matthew 6. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray and stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received a reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father, who is in secret. Isn't that so beautiful? He meets you in the secret place. He meets you. He says, go into your room, shut the door. I'm there, the king of kings. He's waiting for you. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, 
For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Let me say that again. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Let's start with the last thing that Jesus said and we'll work backwards. Your father knows what you need. And as we rewind thousands of years to Psalm 139, I love the scripture. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before word was on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. According to Jesus, when we pray, it is not to try to get God to understand us, to care more for us, to be interested in what we're going through. Please hear me today, church, that God is fully loving and fully present with you. He is in that secret place with you. He knows when you stand, when you rise. He knows your thoughts. He created you in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully known by your king, your God. Because of this, we don't have to perform We don't have to strive. We don't have to jump through hoops or say all the right words or seem religious because you know what? I could stand beside someone and say all the right things, but God looks at the heart. He sees the heart cry. He doesn't just see the words that come out of my mouth. He sees the heart and spirit attached to those words. We don't need to have any magic words, any fancy formulas. God is fully present and fully with us. Now, in your prayer life, you might be fantastic at freestyling prayer with the Lord. You might get in your, come through the gates and get into that secret place and just talk freely with God and feel that freedom. That's beautiful. Some of you love to read prayers, and they come right from your heart. So you have a book of prayers, and you begin just to pray those words. That is beautiful, too. Some of you have a structure. Perhaps in the morning, your prayer is Thanksgiving. Noon, it's intercession. And night, you bring your requests. Devotionals are fantastic. I love the Dwell app because it's the pure word of God. And praying the Psalms are amazing if you struggle with the words of what to say. Above all, and the Bible is the ultimate. The ultimate. Praying words from the Bible, scriptures from the Bible. Just praying the word of God. It's not the method that we're talking about here. Or the religious formula. What we're talking about is engaging in the spiritual discipline of prayer. Because prayer, as we have said, is simply walking through the gate to be in the very presence of your father, the one you adore, and to be a companion of the king. Now, as we turn to the Lord's Prayer, there's a couple things I want to point out that are really, really important. And we are going to pray the Lord's Prayer this morning. Because this is a prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray. And there's so much in this prayer. It says in Matthew 6, 9, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. Prayer isn't individual. It's collective because we are a body. We are a family. We are an eternal family together. Those have have gone before, 
those of us that are here on earth, on this side of heaven, and those that will come, we are part of a body of Christ. So when we pray, though we are praying to our personal father, we are praying collectively to our father. I love this quote. Christian prayer, even when done alone, is never really a private activity. For we are forever connected to one another, and God intended it to be that way. God loves family, and he's created us as a family and as a body. Prayer can be private, but it's important for us always to remember that you're never alone. Even in this season, you may be watching online, and you may be feeling so alone. You are never alone. You are part of a family. You are part of a body. The second part of that phrase, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or holy be thy name. The mention of his name is also holy. He is Abba, who is our Father, loving and so caring. He is also holy. God is transcendent, holy, and just. And God is, as Hebrew attests, a consuming fire, a fire which purifies. God is love, and from his love, perfect grace flows and affection for us. But he is also holy, righteous, and just. To focus on only one side of God, to try to make God the God that we feel comfortable with, the God of just grace and love, the God that loves us and accepts us and brings us in as sons and daughters. Yes, that is who God is, but that is not only who God is. And when we make God just that part, we are actually walking in the sin of idolatry because we are creating a God that we want God to be. We are putting the terms and conditions on the God that we serve, but God is holy. God is just. God is righteous and God detests sin and he will always align us to his word and he will deal with the pride and he will deal with idolatry and he will deal with greed. He will deal with all the things in our hearts that will rob and steal because he is king and wants to be enthroned in our hearts. He's a holy God, a God of fire and justice. That is the God we serve. When I was a young girl, I had a favorite, favorite childhood book. I probably read it 50 times. And it's the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's the one that C.S. Lewis wrote, and I loved this book. When Narnia came out in the movie, I, I bought it right away. I was so excited. But there's a line in, this, in his book that I just want to bring out. C.S. Lewis penned these words in this book. Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He is the king, I tell you. God is our tender, loving father whose gates are open for you to be a companion of the king. God is also our sovereign, holy, and just God, the almighty, Yahweh, the magnificent one. To look more like Jesus, together we have to lean into being a people of prayer 
that walk in humility. To look more like Jesus, we need to stop performing and playing to the audience of the world or trying to play to an audience of God that we are trying to perform and strive. No, we simply have to be enveloped in his ever-present love. To look more like Jesus, we must resist the urge to only make God the God of grace and tenderness, but also to acknowledge and to bow and to kneel before our holy, just, and righteous God. Because God is both tender and holy, approachable, and yet great in power and might, I can trust him with my whole heart, for he holds all things together, and he alone is worthy of my worship. I want to talk a little bit in closing about the Lord's Prayer. Now, each day, I, have be- I, had- I began this a couple years ago of praying the Lord's Prayer. And what I do is when I pray, I expound on the words of the Lord's Prayer in my own spirit as I go through the words. And I'll tell you, I want to show you exactly what that means. And I want to give you a little bit of homework today for this next week to pray the Lord's Prayer. And when I say pray the Lord's Prayer, it's not just going through the lines. It's pausing. It's stopping. It's letting your spirit move on these words. And I'll give you an example of what I mean today. Our Father, Father, you are my Father, and you are glorious. You are in heaven, and you are the King. Hallowed be your name. You are holy and just and magnificent, and I bow before you today. Your kingdom come and your will be done today. May you imprint on my heart a desire to serve you and to honor you. Guard my lips, guard my heart. May I please you, O King. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, what your plans and purposes are, I submit to today. Help me to see you, to walk in them. I want your way to be my way. I want to walk as a companion of the King. Give, a, give me today my daily bread. Father, as I read your word, may your word read me. May your word test my spirit. May your word refine my spirit. May your truths cut right to the quick of my spirit and align me to what honors you and pleases you. Father, forgive me my debt as I also forgive my debtors. Forgive me for my many sins. And that will take time then to repent if it's been pride or an arrogance or something that I've done to offend someone. And Father, I just pray release a forgiveness of this offense and I can name it right there. Father, lead me not into temptation. Keep me, Father. I'm so easily deceived. Chain me to your heart. Seal me with your love. Chain me today. Tether me to your truth. Deliver me from the evil one. Thank you that greater is you that lives in me than he that's in the world. I am not afraid of the enemy because you are my protector. You are the great God, the most victorious God. And across that bloodline, I stand behind the cross. I am covered in protection by you. And I declare today, Father, for thine is the kingdom. Yours is the power, yours alone, and the glory forever and ever and ever. My heart will sing forever and ever you are king. Amen. So that would be an example of praying the Lord's prayer. And I do that for you to see it's that easy. And perhaps at the beginning, you can just pray the Lord's prayer and just say it really slowly. Perhaps praying a lot of free words is difficult for you. That's okay. Pray the first line 
And then just sit and wait and ask the Lord just to go deep into your heart. Pray the next line. Don't rush through the Lord's prayer. It is so powerful that we have the honor and the privilege of every day becoming a companion of the king in his presence. I know that is what your heart yearns for. And church, I feel that God is stirring up that weapon of prayer in our hearts to say, church, do not be deceived. You are not powerless, but come into my presence because you need me, the king. You cannot fight this battle without my charge. It's my banner. It's my kingdom. Come into my kingdom and let's walk this together. Be not discouraged. Do not lose heart. Do not grow faint. And if you are feeling those things, it's a time to come and rest in the presence of God because he wants to fill you and he wants to restore you. So today I would love for you to stand. And as I conclude, I'd love to read the Lord's Prayer together. Would you join me in that? That would be just wonderful. The words are going to come up on the screen. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And Jesus says, And this is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.